who knows what fear lurks in the hearts of men? R.L. Stein. Reader beware, you're in for a scare. We're talking about Goosebumps! Hello, everybody! It's Drew here to talk to you about the More You Nerd podcast. Teaming up with my buddy, Miles. How you doing, Miles? Doing well. We are I here. Am... <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we're talking all over each other. I love Halloween time. I'm very, very excited to do this. Uh, you know what's weird is we have done a lot of retro stuff this year. Uh, part of it was because it's our first year kind of back after a year hiatus. And part of it is Drew and I just we're nostalgic folks. We do love some retro stuff. For sure. And I got to say, regardless of what uh, you might think of the book, it was a real kicker to kind of travel back to being a kid reading a Goosebumps book. Because I, I probably haven't read one in, in almost 30 years. Same. I know I read some of them. And I, I, I don't know how to find which ones I read. They're probably still on a bookshelf in my parents' house somewhere. And I didn't ask my mom to look that up. But, you know, maybe I'll figure that out before next week. But. Yeah. So, so I am a little curious because, you know, I know you're not a big horror guy. I know you like some horror games like Resident Evil and stuff like that. Um, but you you mentioned last week when we brought brought up what we we're going to do that you did own and read a couple of these Goosebumps books. Was that just you kind of being interested in what was culturally popular at the time and wanted to check it out? Or it had did you it had to be. Enjoy them? I mean, I, I'm sure I enjoyed them because I read more than one of them. Again, I don't remember which ones I read, uh, and I definitely didn't read the one that we read for the show this week but you gotta understand these books started coming out when we were of the age to read them oh yeah and they, they came these, out like monthly <laughs> these were literally like so oh okay 90s kid you had harry potter well let me tell you about the talking dummy or whatever that book was called <laughs> like the uh night of the living dummy night of the living but, dummy okay so uh you you went you grew up in south carolina right the, I rock, did. the rock hill part of south carolina yes i did it's my hometown okay. in fact not just that part but that exact place <laughs> So I don't know if your school did this, but did you guys ever have uh, what we call book orders? Like where you would get this like weird like newspaper print like leaflet that was probably maybe four pages. And it was almost like a book fair, but they would do it every like six or seven weeks where you could choose to order a book and and you give your teacher an envelope with the money and and the kind of little almost like the Girl Scouts did a little tear out of what you ordered. And in about you know three or four weeks that the, the books would come into the classroom and then you'd get your books i do remember this i remember this as being associated with the book fair which is probably not true but i will also say that we talk about the book fair and for you know this by the way this still goes on and it's not just the book fair anymore it is literally called the scholastic book fair now because that is the publishing company that did it back in the day and still does it yeah i think we called it the scholastic book fair too we just called it book fair because we were kids and yeah and and so Scholastic, the the pub, the publishing company that publishes books for for this particular age, and also happened to publish the Goosebumps books. Uh, they would cart a bunch of books into like your school's library would close down for a week, and it would be mm-hmm. filled with with rolling racks of books that you would get to like come in during your English class and look through, and then buy a book if you, but if you remember to bring the money <laughs> and uh, take it to um, the cash register and and go home with it. Our school also did a thing where you could leave a list for your parents so 
that they could come in uh, in after hours because I think our book fair was around Christmas time. So if you had one that you wanted, maybe you know, Santa to get you or your parents, whichever, um, they could come by and look. Because I remember the the main book fair treasure that I wish I still had somewhere was the I think the ninety two probably edition, even though it was a few years later. It might have been the ninety six, ninety seven hardcover Star Trek encyclopedia. <laughs> and I remember I remember pouring over that thing for hours during the summer, like just cross-referencing things or writing down because episodes that I would want because Star Trek episodes you could get on VHS. Only on but I VHS, think, baby! Or the was, right time of catching it. <laughs> yes, and, there, and you could only get one, maybe two episodes of TNG per tape. It was three. Well, nope, I take that back. It was two. I know it was two for the TOS two. episodes. Might have been two or three. What world did we live in where there were two episodes per tape for a oh, show yeah. that had 24 episodes per season? Yeah. Look, people it, talk it, about it, how it, they can't believe that we have four streaming services to pay for. Fam, y'all were not buying two episode VHS tapes. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it was a wild time. It was, a, but I was also kind of an exciting time because this new technology was coming and it was always really cool to see what was being developed. And it still is. I'm still excited about new technology, but the, I would say the, the leaps are a little bit smaller. I, I know, I, I know this, uh, we can translate this to video games because I know some people were talking about the PS five uh, and the Xbox series X being cool, but it wasn't, didn't seem like it was that big of a difference. And I was like, well, the higher we get, the smaller that, that difference is going to be. It's not going to be like going from PS one to PS two or even, or, 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 or Super Nintendo to, yeah, or Super Nintendo to N64. We're not going to have these gigantic leaps again. Yeah, that time is over. You want to know how old uh, I feel right now, Miles? The second episode of The More You Nerd, the very second episode, we talked about the announcement of the Wii U, a console that has already launched and gone RRT. away. <laughs> I was a I was a day one <laughs> buyer of that. Uh, speaking speak, console. speaking of ghostly apparitions of consoles, let's get into ghostly apparitions of people as we talk about R.L. Stein's Goosebumps: The Ghost Next Door. Now we don't have a ton of, of of commentary and history about this specific book, so we figured we would talk mostly about Goosebumps as a as a franchise. Yeah, exactly. And this is a this is a very uh, kind of Cliff's Notes version because we were doing a specific book. I didn't feel like we needed to go through every nook and cranny of the Goosebumps, but giving a nice overview, I think, will help sure. uh, kind of contextualize this book. Uh, so Goosebumps itself began when R.L. Stein, which is actually his name, not a pen name, which is refreshing Why to know. Why does that shock you so much? It's, I don't because understand. <laughs> because, I don't know, R.L. Stein sounds like such a, like, ooh, he's spine-tingling Stein or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you. It's such a horror name, uh, but he was already fairly successful in the horror genre as an author. And after creating a humor magazine, a comedy magazine for Scholastic aimed at teenagers that that ran from the mid seventies to the mid eighties, he wrote his first horror novel for teenagers. Or well, it, it, he says teenagers here. It is what we now know as the young adult market uh, in mm-hmm. nineteen eighty six called Blind Date. Uh, from there, Stein would continue to write successful teen focused horror for Scholastic 
Fantastic's Point Horror series with books like the Point Horror book right here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The Babysitter is one of them. And The Beach House, which Miles is holding up for me that none of you can see. But know that he held it up. I loved the Point Horror books. (laughs) Uh, And and he's also started his own line of horror books for that same young adult demographic called Fear Street, which I remember R.L. Stein's Fear Street. Mm -hmm. I also remember R.L. Stein's Fear Street coming out after Goosebumps, but that was probably just Goosebumps got super popular and Fear Street got republished after the fact. That's exactly what happened because uh, Walmarts started carrying them Mm -hmm. in the young adult section when Walmart had those big things, uh, those aisles of books like kind of near the cash registers. And what's so funny is Point Horror is getting an anthology series for HBO Max and Fear Street is getting a trilogy of movies for Netflix next year. (laughs) Wild. That's interesting. Um, And apparently, and because I didn't put this into the notes, I I did read this while we were uh, researching this. Apparently, they're working on another live action Goosebumps series. Which is outside of the two Goosebumps movies starring Jack Black that we have. Yes. Which is Uh, a a little bit on that in a moment. Yes. Uh, So Stein seemed content to continue this way until John uh, Waricha, the co-founder of Parachute Press, the company that ended up developing the Goosebumps series, convinced Stein to write scary books aimed towards younger children, not just tweens and young adults. Which I can understand how that might be, you know, a little bit of, I don't want to say a challenge, but I I mean, if you've been writing teen books successfully for almost 20 years and someone's like, hey, why don't you do something for kids? You'd probably be a little, you know, a little skeptical about the idea. Maybe. Uh, But so he 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 worked on it and he was inspired by an ad he saw in a TV guide that read it's Goosebumps Week on Channel 11. (laughs) And so I assume this is for a Halloween or horror themed uh, TV marathon that these stations usually did. And so he titled his new series for younger readers Goosebumps. It's a great name. It is a fantastic name. It's one of those no brainer titles that you're like, why didn't I think of that? For sure. For sure. And especially for kids, like it's not like Fear Street or even Point Horror or there's an edge to it, but Goosebumps. Like it's it, it honestly is akin to the the scares in the Goosebumps books. Like there for for the age that it's going for, there might be some spine tingling moments for a child of you know eight to ten, but that's all. You're not you're not really going to be that traumatized. Uh, overall, I know people have said different things over the years, but I think it's a very apt title. For and sure. he he only signed uh, a deal for six books. Sick. Only six so, books. Only six books. Let's think which about I know, that. Yeah. So a six book deal is is a big deal. So I don't know why I'm saying only. It's just because I, I contextually know in retrospect. How, I mean, he went on to write a total of 62 books in the original Goosebumps run. So so let, let us let us rephrase the original Goosebumps run. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it from 1992 to 1997. 62 books, which is insane. And I've I I meant to. Uh, again, we weren't doing a full deep dive, but I read somewhere and, and from a couple interviews that apparently there were some of these books that he would write in six days. Now, I that understand is these not books a surprise. Not, 
<laughs> Here's the thing. I know these books are not super long and they are not super in-depth and aimed at a younger demographic, but still organizing a story and pumping it out, even, even for the age group that, that it's going for, which these things average about at 105 pages thereabouts. I mean, that's still a, an amazing feat. For sure. And this guy, I mean, Goosebumps came out on an almost monthly basis for five or six years. Yeah. So uh, here's here's the at least for the first couple of years of Goosebumps, because the first three Goosebumps books came out July of 1992. All three came out that month. The next was November 92, then January 93, then March 93, then two in May of 93, then another one in July of 93, then August 93, and then September 93, October 93, November 93, December 93, on and on on an almost monthly basis. I mean, I remember the Goosebumps books retroactively. I I don't have one in front of me, sadly. I don't. No, I don't. Um, I don't remember them being that expensive. I, I remember them being like four ninety nine, maybe at the time. That they weren't that super right. expensive, I don't believe. Yeah, I don't remember them being that expensive, uh, which which does help. So it's almost like you know literary comics. And you know this series started with a Welcome to the Dead House in July of nineteen ninety two, which I almost picked for us to read because it is kind of a quintessential Goosebumps series. The one we read is a little bit of a, a different one, but because Goosebumps became an unprecedented smash. I mean, at the time, no one had seen something like this. Kids devoured them faster than Stein could write them, even though he wrote them very, very quickly. <laughs> and we had spin-offs, spin-off series, video games, merchandise of all kinds, uh, a television show that ran for four seasons, as well as two live-action films. And so becoming this cultural touchstone, the Goosebumps series is still currently the second best-selling book series of all time, with over 400 million copies sold, only second to She Who Must Not Be Names Harry Potter series. <laughs> how this all worked and how these were so popular, Stein himself has attributed to the 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 idea of safe scares, which is a very interesting concept. Like a few of the books have a lot of visceral danger. Uh, they lack what what basically drugs, depravity, violence. That stuff's not really in these books. Most of the danger isn't really that serious or incredibly serious, nor do the characters die often in the series. <laughs> um, which makes this week's election a little bit of an anomaly, uh, which is a bit of a spoiler for the book that if you're an adult, you can figure out in the first 10 pages. <laughs> yes, we are going to spoil this um, nearly uh, 30-year-old book. <laughs> we read the 10th book of the series. And once again, the 10th book came out in August of 1993, just over a year after the book started coming out. Just think about that. It's, it's insane. Uh, I, I can't imagine. Uh, and of course, as previously mentioned, it is The Ghost Next Door, which includes several exceptions from the rest of the Goosebumps series. It was released in August of 1993 and is one of the few books in the series to be written in third person as opposed to first person. Uh, the, has the tw- It ha- also has the twist of the book happened before the actual end of the story, as in not right at the end, but in like the third act. And it is also <laughs> one of the, the very few Goosebumps books that have a happy ending, despite the fact that this book is kind of sad and Stein calls this book his saddest, which I can also agree with. Yeah, I honestly, I think in terms of the actual story itself, despite um, I I will say there are times where I feel like Stein is writing down to his audience and that is a little disappointing. 
disappointing. Um, and there's also times where I feel like St- Stein is does not know children. Um, but other than that, I think the story itself is is the the core story is the by the plot points is very solid. It's a really cool story to sell to to kids. I think this is a really I, a really cool idea. Yeah. So the ghost next door. I want to read to you from the back of the book. The blurb on the back of the book. Hannah's neighborhood has gotten just a little weird ever since that new boy moved in next door. But when did he move in? Wasn't the house empty when Hannah went to sleep the night before? Why does it still look deserted? She's not getting any answers from her neighbor, her new neighbor. He just keeps disappearing in the oddest ways. And he's so pale. Is Hannah being haunted by the ghost next door? <laughs> uh, it's, it's a fun blurb. I mean, like, especially, and I, I, I didn't write it down and I meant to, um, but I can probably come up with it real, real quick. Um, Tim uh, Jacobus is the cover artist for the original one of Goosebumps, and he always delivered the goods. Those Goosebumps covers were always fantastic. Um, <laughs> they the were whole, iconic. I mean, the package. Yeah, Again, they were. But that, Night, Night of the Living Dummy is, is probably the reason why I am freaked out by ventriloquist dummies my entire life, always have been, always will be, to the point where even in the, uh, even in Are You Afraid of the Dark, I think there's a ventriloquist dummy in that intro sequence. There is. There oh, is no, one. It's a, it's a clown puppet. It's a clown, clown puppet. puppet. In my head, thinking I'm on it, it's a ventriloquist dummy. But it's, it's slappy. Not <laughs> and well, I know, I remember reading that book as a kid, and I remember thinking it was kind of creepy, because again, I will say that what I appreciate about, about what Stein does, at least with this book, even though it's a uh, I think some of the scares are a little ham-fisted. I, he does, there is an attempt to create atmosphere. It's not just like reading it like Bonicula or something. Sure. Um, and I like that. I, I like that, again, it's horror for kids. And and this even starts off pretty strong with that nightmare. The book opens up with Hannah having a nightmare about her room being on fire. And there's a there's a whole bit about how like she couldn't even scream. And I was like, man, did that car, he started the, she can she can see the wallpaper crumbling and she can see all of this stuff happening and then it's it it's it's really jarring and it's just the first couple of paragraphs of the entire book and then she wakes up and that's where the book kind of takes place but this is where i think and again i'm a i'm an old man i'm a thir- i'm a 36 year old man reading a a children's book so mm-hmm. my i'm trying to put myself in the in the mindset that this book isn't for me it's for a child and i did not read this book to my children i should have probably that's what a what would a good podcaster would have done would have gotten the you know the the eight-year-old and the six-year-old's perspective on this book but well, uh you kind of we didn't know how fast the, i i remember being able to breeze through these but you know you can never you can never tell <laughs> so i it, it, i can see why why you didn't do that and it might have taken you a little bit longer um especially if the twilight princess asks you a million questions as you, <laughs> has, you have told me that she does so yes. I, I can see that where that might not have been the best move. But so one of the things that I, I like how this starts off strong, but I, I will say I and I do fault Stein for this. I don't really care for the character of Hannah. She's completely generic and like she just doesn't really have a personality well, to me. 
and I, and I think that's that that this is where the way that this story is told doesn't do Hannah any favors. So to set this story up a little bit more, Hannah Fairchild is is the name of our main character. She wakes up from a nightmare. She lives in in town with her mom and dad and her twin brothers who are six years old and she is twelve years old. Mm-hmm. But it's the it's summer vacation and every single one of her friends has gone off to camp or gone on vacation and she her dad couldn't afford to either pay for it or take the time off to take them so she's stuck at home all summer and this is where I think the book isn't as successful because we are really only looking at Hannah's individual perspective the book is told from the third person but it reads like a first but it person. reads like a first person novel in I fact agree. when you said that it was a third person book unlike a lot of others it's like it's a third person well yeah I guess it is a third person book because she's really it's, it's third person limited she's really the only character we we meet in this story and we just see the stuff that's happening around her in the moment we never get a single chapter that doesn't have her in it we never get a single chapter that doesn't talk about something that she is specifically looking at and well as we figure out should i spoil the end right now miles uh not quite yet let's let's talk about a couple of things so and i don't mean and this is where i have some uh, this, uh, this might also be a problem with some of the early goosebumps books most of the of the protagonists which were all children in the goosebumps books um and this is why this one's a little bit different most of them were nude in town or visiting a relative or ha- had something new happen to them whereas this one is the character has already existed in this in this place and it's just summer vacation and most of the kids that he wrote tended to be these kind of middle class kids and very generic i mean basically trying to to write it as a anyone picking up this book can imagine in in the most broad way that they are the character especially when most of them are written in first person we do not know anything about hannah's uh race ethnicity religion or even some of her character traits except that at one point she's she's uh mentioned to have a imagination like a wild imagination she she has a shorter haircut we know and we also know that she wore a bright pink and bright green bright green outfit at one point (laughs) but other than the fact that she mentions that the boy she met is kind of cute like anyone can imagine that that they're, they're hannah yeah i mean she's a she's she's a very blank canvas she's almost like being of the protagonist in a choose your own adventure book or a point and click adventure story i want to add into this right for really quickly miles because we read a version of this book that i learned was actually a reprint of the book yes it does not have references to general hospital game boys yeah so and, so, so the, but, uh day glow <laughs> but so there are some cultural references that are actually named in the book for example there's a reference to diet coke there's a reference to other name brand things that happen in this but in the still exist today that still exists the reprint that came out with alongside the goosebumps movie which is uh from a couple of years ago now uh, which is absolutely fantastic that first goosebumps movie is great yeah so so there's a reference to her twin brothers fighting over what game what video game to play it's really in the original book fighting over the game boy and there's Mm -hmm. a reference to day glow there's and i also remember specifically her saying i guess maybe i'll watch a soap opera which in Mm -hmm. the original was probably watch general hospital but it's those things that 
that anchor it in a little more realism that, mm-hmm. that it's, it's funny that they aren't there for us because I would have associated more because I think of these books as taking place more in, in 1993 than I do in well, 2020. And, but well, so there was a couple years where it was on off the air, but General Hospital is still in the air. So, I mean, I that would have been fine. It's a web series now, but who cares? Um, or they may, well, they might have figured out that they can't get away with including General Hospital without having to pay some sort of that's, licensing. That's that's possible. Money. So while I do fault Stein a little bit, I understand why, at least with this this character, he he didn't really do a lot with Hannah, which it's, it's just too bad because there's a lot you could have done with her. Um, and even some of the ways that she talks, like the, the opening scene where she's having this dream that everything's on fire and then is apparently puts her in a good mood because she's like, oh, yeah, I'm alive. And she's got a pep in her step and, you know, she might think of it. But then is like, hey, dream, get lost, get lost, which dream, which no 12 year old would say <laughs> like and that this is this is also again, I've got I mean, Arl Stein is excellent at what he does, but that doesn't always mean he's got a real grasp of the age that he's writing because he was, I think, uh, 30 years ago. So it would he would have been about 47 at this time. So, you know, he's not exactly hip on 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 the on the on the, the kids, but he doesn't really try to be. Yeah. He doesn't try to use a lot of cool slang, which is a mistake that a lot of writers and TV shows do. But he just he writes them as kids and he does do that very well. I he's, think. He, and he's savvy to avoid a lot of that slang because yes, it would have dated it even more than talking about Dayglow and the Game Boy. But uh, so to get back into the story a little bit. So Hannah has has woken up after this nightmare and she thinks about, you know, how bored she is and how the only thing the only time she gets like she gets so bored that she'll she'll have campfires with her little brothers and tell them scary stories and, and this kind of thing. And and so she she walks outside to just kind of go and do something out of the house. And she bumps into this kid named Danny who knocks her down onto the ground on his bike. And uh, Which, it seems to happen to her a lot in this book. She just does. gets hit from the back a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, that that happens but, to some people. But I will I will say as as much as Stein does give away the ending to, I mean, obviously more adult or more savvy readers, I do think establishing the family scene at the beginning of the story really does help you sell that that normalcy of the Fairchild household to uh, eight to 11 year olds pretty well. Yeah, because you don't pick up on things until later. <laughs> and she's and she's writing a, a letter to her friend who hasn't written her from camp all summer and she's mad at that friend and 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 then she goes to town and she sees <laughs> she gets pretty violent in those letters i hope you drown <laughs> i hope you drown anyway write me back um yeah it's 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 really bizarre but and his relationship with her with her, her pen pal so and, and this is where it's it's very interesting to read this book because um again i'm i'm a uh 87 year old man reading this children's book and it was it was weirdly refreshing to have figured out the entire plot of the book in the first couple of pages but then i was like this is a book for children you're not smart this is a book for children but uh i do want to go ahead and 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 spoil the ending because i think i think that that is the most interesting thing about this book so and and it's honestly 
Stein showing his hand a little too early. So I agree. Uh, so so you know this book opens up with a a uh, well we'll talk about Danny. She ends up seeing Danny and she sees Danny interacting with the or alongside these other people and it's like he's not talking to them but he's there. It's like oh we have this whole idea that is Danny a ghost? What's going on? Is Danny a ghost here? And and uh, is that the ghost next door? Because that's the name of the the book. The book. But but what what gives it away uh, if you're if you're paying attention is is of course the book opens up with this horrible nightmare that she has had and then literally on her way to uh to the next location she rides her bike by a a neighbor named mrs quilty and she calls out to mrs quilty and mrs quilty ignores her and that's when i was like okay my theory is confirmed Mm -hmm. hannah is dead she is a dead character she is the ghost next door danny well i for a little while i thought danny might also be a ghost which is why they could talk to each other but no danny is alive and hannah is dead and that that right there is interesting it is it an is. interesting twist and it is not a twist that i would have expected to see in this in, in a in a kid's book right well not only that but he, stan does a very good job kind of giving kids a reason to still think that danny is the ghost because yes like you said he kind of you know backs off around his friends in that scene and it's more because he's a timid kid trying to fit in with you know quote unquote cooler kids who are just two dinguses uh that apparently like to hang out behind a post office and also like as 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 you as you do and also like to break into somebody's house and play with matches the two things literally the two things that we were never told to do when we were children miles yes like literally in (laughs) school they're like never break into anybody's house never Never. play with matches i remember those two things specifically from my health teacher of all teachers but i definitely remember uh (laughs) never play with matches vividly and uh, also you know don't steal ice cream uh like the, like these kids are are not just vandals but they're just they're they're a gang almost like they're well, it's they're, they're like a a pint-sized version of a gang like they're stealing ice cream they're they're messing up with the mailman they're literally ma- messing with mailboxes which is again this is one of those a things federal that, crime well it's a it's a federal crime sure but it's also one of those things where it's like if you think about 47 year old rl stein writing this book these are some like like small town shenanigans that you know people got into true like people people still drive around hitting mailboxes with baseball bats today despite the fact that nobody ever gets any mail they only ever get amazon packages delivered to their door not actual (laughs) mail that's true um but but son also throws in this dark shadow with red eyes that keeps chasing hannah and not only keeps chasing her but seems to be able to rob her of the ability to move or speak or like it's like this oppressive force that is affecting right and and so you well yes you're like okay hannah's definitely got to be the dead person right but then she's being chased around by this this other specter so you're like okay what's going on and then eventually we learn that the specter has danny's face which is weird how could the specter have danny's face oh it was a dream again it was just a dream hannah wakes up in her bed one more time after seeing evil specter danny what i like about that twist that comes up is because because as as hannah spends more time with danny and she she eventually just confronts him and says oh you're a ghost and he's like you know obviously i don't know what you're talking about and hannah tries to grab his hand or something and her hand goes right through him well so, so well, it's even it's even before that so it's in the beginning of that scene he's got a soccer ball and he's kicking it around and yeah and, and, and hannah tries to kick the soccer ball 
and she misses, quote unquote. But she attributes that, well, I'm wearing sandals. Sandals aren't great for, for hey, kicking soccer if balls. If you were trying to play soccer with sandals, that's a valid argument. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's but it's funny because at that point, you know, I had known I knew that that was what was going on. And 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 to see how they justified it. But then again, she also got hit by him on a bike. So she's phasing through things here. Why she? Oh, it's because ghosts apparently phase in and out depending on what's going on so that she can't. She's not always going to be, you know, she might be able to interact with things, which again, I, I, I balked at that at the time. But then I'm like, well, you know, ghosts can sometimes move things in reports of ghost tauntings. Yeah, I, I think that he, he does. A, he plays some with some really cool ideas with with the idea of a ghost. And and it's interesting that the, that Hannah is not tied down to a location. That's that's that was kind of the thing that threw me off the most is Hannah's bebopping all around town. She is. However, she seems to still she gets like she can go around town, but she's still very much tied to that house. Oh, sure. But and, but and, in her mind, that's her house. But everywhere, so. but everywhere else she goes, it seems to be extremely vacant when she goes to the post office. It's empty, except for the three boys messing with Mr. Chesney, the, the postmaster. When she goes to the ice cream shop, it's vacant, except for the three boys and the ice cream man, which I imagine is just that she can't see them. Exactly. Because because the, the, especially with the, the way that the book ends, it, that kind of uh, sort of backs up that idea and to kind of skip around a little bit because yeah so they, they do this back and forth and and then danny start stops talking to hannah because you know she's a ghost and then we find out kind of hannah's dream is not necessarily a dream this this for the record is and, and we mentioned in the in the intro that while rl stein considers this a a happy ending or, or people consider this book to have a happy ending he calls this book his saddest and i agree with that i agree a hundred percent it's it's both a happy ending because it's honestly it's a good ghost story it's a good ghost story and it is also very sad it's and, a it's a ghost story from the perspective of the ghost who has an, a task to accomplish in saving this other person from another fire uh, that we find out that 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 hannah needs to save danny from this fire in mr chesney's house which is caused by danny and his two doofus friends but we also learned that that fire that happened in hannah's house was a result of the campfire that she had gone out with her two little brothers the night before and they hadn't put it out properly and it caught the house on fire and the entire family died and that is, is another thing i always was warned about as a kid if you were uh like fire safety sure. if you were like out camping that the, the putting out the fire properly was always like like drilled into us smoky the <laughs> smoky the bear literally had cartoons teaching oh, yeah. you how to do that but it was it, it's just one of those things that is so heartbreaking because not only is is Hannah dead, but everything that happened to her and her family is her fault. Mm-hmm. And they never acknowledge her guilt about that. They don't even reference any guilt about that, because at the time that we learned that it's because it's she time to save Danny. <laughs> it's time to save Danny and there's more going on. But it's just that's heartbreaking. And, and, yeah. And uh, and this is what I kind of almost wish it was a teen book. So we get some more fleshed out stuff, because while it was a cool reveal that the shadow was like basically the future kind of ghost version of Danny, but he needs Danny to die so that he can become corporeal. That's or, the weakest part of the book for me. That's 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 it is. That's R.L. Stein trying to come up with some some ex, something extra when and the extra twist, because he already twist. gave 
take the twist. Yeah. Um, I like, I conceptually think the idea is okay, but I mean, the explanation is dumb. And, but it's, it's enough, it's, 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 it's enough some, to carry the plot. It's something that 1995 R.L. Stein would write better than 1992 R.L. Stein. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. 93, excuse and me. 93 R.L. And that's, that's the thing is, I do think that the, with some of the stuff from the early Goosebumps books, while I remember liking Welcome to the Dead House a lot uh, and Say Cheese and Die, the later books, I feel like characters got a little bit smarter, a little bit more savvy. Uh, they had a little bit more meat on their bones in terms of character development. And a lot of the twists, well, and again, this is this is a, a, a different one because the twist happens at the end of the second act and you have all this extra book to go through. And um, I, I will I will mention some differences because I, I just I watched the two-part <laughs> Goosebumps TV <laughs> show episodes based on this. The first episode ends with the reveal that, that Hannah is a ghost. Oh, wow. That's fast. Yeah. Like, I mean, they burn through it, but I mean, and the some, difference- something that I would say is my criticism of this book is, again, I'm a 94 year old man reading this children's book is that you figure it out and then there's so much more book until she figures it out. And again, I'm, I think that's what makes it sad. I, I think. Yeah, I think. Well, well, in if more development were had with Hannah, it would have been very, very tragic. And and honestly, like, again, if this was written a little bit older, it would have been an excellent, excellent story. It's still a good story. I still like this book. I think it's great for kids, but it does spin it. As soon as you find out Hannah's a ghost and she doesn't quite realize it, it does spin its wheels a little bit. It's not, it's and, not, it's not even then. It's that it takes her so long to figure out she's a ghost. Like we figured out she's a ghost, we figured out she's a ghost for chapters and chapters and chapters. And then she's still going to, she's following well, Danny around idea, and she's got to figure out if Danny's a ghost. And there's an idea that the uh, ghosts are in denial. And so I can, I can kind of accept that it's played with a little bit in the goosebumps episode. Uh, the shade reveals itself to Hannah like earlier and like, which tried to teach been, her how- which needed to be necessary and well, like also like tries to teach her how to be a ghost and, and haunt hmm. and i was like that's a cool idea like there, there are some things that that the episode did better but there's also some things that like spell things out like hannah's family is never seen until the very end like she wakes that's up in the house and no one's home see and, that, which makes more sense for a for a 20 minute tv episode but doesn't make right. sense for a book but it's also a two-parter so they had time um danny is is equally stupid in both this. <laughs> he's 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 not good at standing up for himself, and they make him do dumber things it, instead of uh, lighting. I can't remember what he was supposed to. They were just burning like a wooden swan or something, right? In well, the, no, the mailbox. The, the mailbox. They were just going to break the mailbox, but then they went inside the house and they had matches. I, they never explain why they have matches, but it sounds like they're using matches instead of a flashlight. Okay, so in, which is just in dumb. The, yeah, in the in the in the TV show, they they dare Danny to light a stink bomb in his house. That's not and how stink bombs work. That's not how stink bombs work. It, it looked like a cherry bomb. Uh, that's uh, a cherry bomb. That's not a stink bomb. R.L. Stein's uh, Goosebumps TV series. <laughs> I'm just saying that's how it went, but it didn't go off. And so he just dropped it and, you know, ran off. But it turns out that it was slightly lit and the carpet caught on fire. And that's how the house fire started. That um, makes more sense than using matches instead of a flashlight. But we're not but inside also, the house ever to see what's actually going on because this is despite the fact that this is a third person book it's really told from Hannah's perspective so it may as well be yes. a first person book uh, anyway. so the whole thing is uh, the, the shade has been trying to keep Hannah from saving Danny because she knows that but because the shade knows that is 
what Hannah will try to do it when she finds out that he's in danger. If Danny dies, then the shade gets to, I guess, take his form, and then Danny would be lost in the void or some some That's nonsense. Not exactly clear what that is. Or that yes, uh, and tries to kind of basically threaten Hannah, even though it doesn't seem to have that much power over her. And so she basically bolts for the house and uses the last of her energy, which the TV show does a lot better job. Like basically, when you haunt or you do something physical as a ghost, it drains it drains you, and you have to kind of go it, back to it, your source of power, which is which is her house. Drains your ghost MP. I get it. So Hannah, Hannah saves Danny, but the the price of that is he can't really see her anymore, and she starts to fade away. And so she you know says I think goodbye and don't remember me. And of course the shade. She doesn't say don't remember me. She says remember me. Make remember sure you me. remember me. Don't that's not, don't for, don't forget. <laughs> don't about forget me. me. Um, don't you forget <laughs> right. about me? And I think we also get the shade doing like a two line no. Uh, there's a, there's a few of those in this book, <laughs> and everyone else is all of a sudden around. The paramedics around Danny, uh, Miss Quint Quinty is there, and he keeps asking for fan, uh, for Hannah, and she thinks that he's overcome a shock or hallucinating uh, because you know Hannah's been dead. For five <laughs> You're years. hallucinating a, a little girl's name who died five years ago. That there's no reason you should know that lived in the house next door to you that's been rebuilt and has been vacant for five years, but you're just hallucinating this exact person that you never should have known. That is the one thing that I wish that, that Miss Quilty had associated with, but she she doesn't seem to do that <laughs> in the book. And then she, you know, Hannah hears her mom's voice and she gets to join her family, which which does make it a happy ending. It's a very sad story because because again, it, you're dealing with a whole family that burned to death <laughs> and, and the main the, the first page of the book. Right. So I mean, with, yeah, with they're, really they're, graphic detail of the, the the, the fire the fire it was like no, that super detailed i wrote i even wrote down starts off strong with the nightmare that gives weight to the 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 mood of the book and, and it does i mean stein does he's i've read his team books he knows what he can and can't do for the age group but he also knows how to do just enough to i mean you know give the reader goosebumps especially for that that age just enough to give you that little push and that's what i like about and goosebumps in general it, it never really shied away from topics it just didn't go hardcore and, and you say it never really shied away this is a book that does not shy away from the fact that our main character is dead and accidentally called caused the death of her entire family mm -hmm. it does not shy away from that and it does not treat that with anything other than sadness really yeah and that Which is, is when that's a real thing like I, I mean not every not every young kid experiences a a, a weird random death on that that scale but the fact that it's not like oh now that you've saved Danny your entire family gets to come back to life doesn't do that she mm. she moves on to the next plane she goes for the home of it home to, for infinite losers she she moves on to to the next emanation whatever whatever uh TV uh late 90s uh not heaven that you could say um th that and that that in particular is is really interesting and one of the things that I, as much as I recognize that that's what was going on in this book from the very beginning, if I was a child reading this, I 
would not have figured that out and I would have been surprised no. and it would have caused me to think about things in a different way. And that's the cool thing about some of these Goosebumps books. I mean, some of them are just pure horror adventures and literally know. Night of the Living Dummy is about an evil ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. This ain't that book. This no, book ain't that book. I, I like that he gives you, I would say, what is the uh, the the child or yeah, the tween horror equivalent of a gothic romance novel of like Turning of the Screw, that, that kind of, it's a story with ghosts. It's not really a horror story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if this, if this had been written for adults, it would be more like Henry James. It would be, it would be a very heartbreaking story that has ghosts in it. It would not be the ghosts are what's really the terrifying thing. And and even in this book, you know, the yes, she thinks Danny's a ghost, but she's never really scared of him. She just wants to figure it out. Well, and that's that's the one thing where if I had to criticize this book really, the biggest criticism that I would give is that this isn't a goosebumps book. The only scary, creepy part of this is the weird shade kind of ghost Danny, like proto ghost Danny. But all of that stuff feels like he felt like he needed something to be creepy. Yes. But but nothing else in the book informs that or mentions that. And if you remove that, I think it's a better story. I think it's a more impactful story. I think it's a more interesting story. I, I, I agree. I mean, the, the, I, I agree with you completely because, yes, the only reason that thing is there is really to give that extra element of fear to Hannah so that younger kids are not questioning the fact that Hannah's dead. But even they're, they're not they're, they're not asking that question yet. Sure. I, I, that That's that's probably a pretty good point. But even then, by the time we get to the end, she shoves half that ghost as if it doesn't exist for the purpose of saving Danny, which is what she wanted to do to begin with in that moment. And I think it would have been more impactful if the motivation had not been to save Danny from some sort of nebulous, weird half death, whatever that part was. And I just agree. and just meant to go and save Danny. I, I almost feel like he had a, a book that he wanted to use for point horror or fear street but didn't feel like it was scary enough that he could have whipped up for goosebumps mm. and, and it's too bad because not that kids can't i mean i think it's great that kids had this story i remember reading the story I'm, i remember thinking oh wow this is kind of more of a drama this is kind of neat but i do think if he had had the chance to really flesh some of the stuff out he could have told it almost a, a a teenage classic there and i yeah i, I agree with you that, that there are elements that i think if he had written up a little bit because here's the cool thing about goosebumps is especially these old these these this original series is you know there are sometimes surreal elements or everything was a joke to begin with but then there there are some where like the ending scene will be like it starts raining and everyone's flesh melts away <laughs> and and they're surrounded by these uh spirits and and kids ate that stuff up i think a lot of people take for granted that kids also want to be a little scared like and i think that goosebumps is a one of the best intros along with something like are you afraid of the dark or eerie indiana even though that's not really a horror but i think what's so cool about this is it does give you that little element of you're about to to, to read something scary and 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 give you these visceral covers obviously we read um because i had talked to a couple friends uh kind of a fan favorite and i get why this is a fan favorite but it's not like we read uh you know uh the night terror tower or ghost beach which have these very cool covers ones with like an executioner with an axe and the other one's just a 
spectral ghost kind of coming out at you, like some of the more ghost story oriented stuff. But I think it's really important that, yes, you don't need to have gratuitous violence and gore and a lot of the elements in older or, or horror for an older demographic, but you can still have some of those core things that make up a ghost story that, th- that kids k- tell around a campfire because kids want that thrill. Kids want to be scared. And I think the idea of a safe scare in R.L. Stein's mind is a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the impact of this book because this impact is apparently felt deeper than we have talked about because I have not seen the Goosebumps movie. Have you seen the Goosebumps movie? Uh, yes, I actually rewatched it recently. I almost made us watch it for this week, but I was like, ah, I was still on the fence about doing Goosebumps because there is a very cool, very cool thing the Goosebumps movie does. So in the in the film, and I'm, I'm only just looking up stuff because I have not seen the Goosebumps movie. Uh, so in the Goosebumps film, uh, Jack Black plays R.L. Stein in the movie. And he's great. Like uh, Jack Black needs to do more kids movies because even though the house uh, with the clock on the wall was not good, uh, he is so good as R.L. Stein. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look at uh, 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 with the rock and roll movie with him and School the kids. Of rock. School of Rock is a great Lincoln, kids movie. He's he's so good at doing stuff for kids, and I I I would love to see him do more of this. And I no, I truly I love the Goosebumps movie. So Jack Black's character in the Goosebumps movie, R.L. Stein. <laughs> has an adopted daughter named Hannah Fairchild. Yeah. And and it was it's one of those really clever things that because she's known as Hannah Stein throughout most of the, most of the uh which makes sense. most of the movie. You don't find out she's Hannah Fairchild until later. And that's one of those like, "Oh my god, I forgot all about that story." And I just, I'm sure I'm sure based on what little I know about the movie that that is going to feed more into the overall movie as a whole that now I kind of want to watch that movie and see what happens but it's well i mean they give you it it's it's not the same um but it does it does have that more rl stein flourish of a twist and um he kind of does hannah right in, in the end it's 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 very very cool i really 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 like that movie it's a lot of fun it's it's not the movie that i thought i i wanted but getting to see like basically the, the unlocking of the, the the whole story is that that basically they accidentally unlock all of rl stein's main scripts which were actually keeping every monster he ever created contained <laughs> and it's a very fun uh almost like a goosebumps version of of uh infinity war like it's it's a lot of fun and so <laughs> it, it's one that i really really heavily considered we actually kicked off october watching the goosebumps movies because krista had never seen it and she she loved it um it's it's a blast and i would highly highly recommend uh because we're not going to do it for the podcast checking that movie out because it's so much fun um so how did you feel um going back to goosebumps at, at the books um we've, we've kind of made our, our 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 thoughts pretty clear on the ghost next door but how did, how did you feel you know coming out of this reading a goosebumps book for the first time in 25 years oh man i felt so smart because i figured out the plot in the first couple of pages <laughs> i felt like a genius no, but for, really though really it's one of those things where it's it's interesting to see the narrative hooks and the narrative things that as a as an adult looking back on this thing where I can see all of the um, what's the like I want to call them gotchas like I gotcha mm-hmm. like the fact that Mrs. Quilty couldn't see could, didn't talk to her or respond to her or the fact that she couldn't kick the soccer ball all these little things that I know as a kid I that would have gone completely over my head or would not have noticed until like the second time or third time or fifth time I read through the book uh, I, I I really appreciate those things more 
than I think I would have. And and also just that like this this book, much like when we experienced uh, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? These things aren't as directly scary as I remember. I mean, we talked about Are You Afraid of the Dark last week and in the intro to this episode. And of course, you can hear all of our thoughts about that that show uh, in and from a couple of years ago in our, our Nick Fember. But uh, the scariest part is the anticipation of what might happen and not mm-hmm. what actually happens. And there's also we're talking about gotcha moments. Every every single chapter ends this fake scare almost almost entirely until you get to like the, the meat and potatoes of the story. Like she sees the the phantom in her room about to attack her. And oh, it's just my coat. <laughs> yeah, that one was, you a know, little, by that point, I was getting a little frustrated that they were just getting to the point of the book. But I yes, I feel like- uh, and, and Stein does that. No, again, I, I chose this one because it's it's a fan favorite for different reasons. And because, yes, there's there's important ties to the Goosebumps movie. I I, I was thinking about us doing Welcome to the Dead House or even Ghost Beach. But I just figured this one has some good meat on its bones in terms of, of things to talk about because it's such a good ghost story, even though it's not a horror story mm. that I wanted to also show what else Goosebumps can do. And I because there this is not the only story like it. There are a few like it, but and there's also some funny ones and some flat out weird ones like it came from beneath the, st- the sink <laughs> um, and the very, very popular blob ripoff, the the Monster Blood series that of I which think there are like four. Goosebumps yeah, there are four. TV I think, so, I, think I think the last official Goosebumps book is Monster Blood 4, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Um, uh, it is but Monster yeah, Blood re- 4. Yes. Yeah. So he and I remember reading all the Monster Bloods and they're they're fun. I mean, if you like that kind of blob style story, they're really fun. And then there's some that are the whole thing is kind of a prank or a joke or it's special effects. Um, gotcha, like nerd. Yeah, like Shocker on Shock Street, I think is what it's called. Uh, or uh, Welcome to Horror Land, which was the original idea for Goosebumps 2 instead of just regurgitating the, fr- the prior movie. Um, Again, th- this is all stuff that I would anticipate out of this series that not all of them would be, you know, the same kind of thing or not not all of them would be would be the same the same outcome. And that's right. kind of where it's the idea that, and I'm going to go ahead and once again repeat, R.L. Stein is one person. And as mm-hmm. far as I can tell, he is the one person that has written all of these books. And because of that, you have to talk, you have to talk about how it, he doesn't have a a a, a crutch, if that right. makes sense. Like yeah. he can make a book where it's not real, it was special effects. He can make a book where it was actually a scary haunted thing that everybody got away from. He can make a book where the main character was the ghost the whole time and you just didn't realize it until the end. And that is interesting. That is more interesting from a creative perspective than than anything else that someone could write 62 books from different perspectives and not lean too much. I mean, obviously we've got the Night of the Living Dummy 3 and Monster Blood 4 and all of this, but not lean too much into the samey, samey kind of thing that a lot of kids books especially get into. Yeah, no, I I, I agree completely, I, especially because the, like, like you pointed out before, there was months, there were months where you'd had two or three releases. And so you can, you can take a risk on one of them. You can do different things. You can do The Ghost Next Door and still do, you know, Say Cheese and Die or, you know, something uh, like that. The Phantom of the Auditorium, which I'm fairly certain is one that I read. I definitely read that one. There's one about plant people and I can't remember the title of it. Um, it's not a came from beneath the sink, but I can't remember what, what it was. But I do remember like something about plant people. <laughs> and and that one was, was pretty fun. And I've been told it's while it's not part 
part of the actual like original series it was slightly after but there was an anth a goosebumps anthology he wrote of christmas stories and that are supposed to be very very good um of christmas ghost stories <laughs> um i i haven't read them I, I i wanted to do that because i had some friends really push hard for that but i'm like it's halloween time i'm not doing anything christmas related um <laughs> so we're not watching nightmare before christmas okay miles hey maybe if you want to do different halloween theme or christmas themed Look, stuff I, for the month of I, december i am of the of the percentage that thinks that uh, uh nightmare before christmas is a christmas movie not a halloween movie i think it's both and i think it's not worth arguing about it's worth it's <laughs> worth watching between october 31st and december 25th is what i think it is worth watching that, that's but. perfectly fine i've i've seen it in both times i would agree that the message Look, behind it is definitely more of a christmas movie literally the first scene is halloween being over so anyway that's a whole different well, conversation yeah, gang. Whole conversation. speaking I, again, I think of it's whole different conversations <laughs> as we wrap up our conversation about goosebumps aka gersberms yeah there i said it i referenced the meme that he the, threatened to do this last week too i i i i, I was lulled into a false sense of security i thought we made it the entire episode uh, didn't I, happen turns out i was the gersberms meme the whole time well done anyway <laughs> uh what are we doing next week miles so next week i really wanted to do a video game we've been we've been playing around like we used to with different mediums this entire month which has been a lot of fun we've done tv shows we've done book done movie and i really wanted to do video game and the one i really wanted to do was zombies ate my neighbors because it's a super fun snes game and i took for granted for the fact that it's not been ported and i didn't want to do or encourage emulation Well, we like to keep things on the straight and narrow uh, on the more you nerd. The ghosts of video games past. Yeah, there, there's a reason people emulate things. Um, <laughs> but Drew actually came up with the, I think, great idea for, for next week's challenge. So we are going to do the very, very popular video game from 2014 by, is it Scott Cawthon? I think his name is. Yeah, Cawthon. Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, this game may not necessarily be for kids but it's it's not really amperated either and kids took hold of this like no other this game like goosebumps just became a massive thing i remember talking to family members who had young kids and their young kid younger kids being obsessed with five nights at freddy's it is it has been typically rated about 12 and up or 13 and up which is kind of telling we're gonna play the first game which i believe is available for five bucks on steam which is mm-hmm. a, a, a pittance in current game terminology uh i've never played these games because um i grew up in an era where uh chuck e cheese was a thing and i guess it was still a thing until fairly recently but uh i i, I never really wanted to do that because this seems like jump scares the game and jump scares are my least favorite type of scare well my second least favorite type of scares my first least favorite type of scares are like the actual horrifying um <laughs> things that make you look at reality in a different perspective but that's a whole different thing that this isn't about. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have played about 20 minutes of it. Uh, my nephew was a really, really big fan, so I hadn't have a chance to really dive in. I just forgot to. And it's it takes things. I love using horror of things that, that I either grew up with or that I just, I can see something really cool. And so the idea of using a basically showbiz pizza slash Chuck E. Cheese animatronics as the, the horror of the story is, mwah, I love that. And, and clearly these games had at least four C 
sequels, not to mention spinoffs and other things. And there's a new there's a new one that just got announced at the big Sony PS5 event a couple of weeks ago as well. That's a VR thing, I think, or some kind yeah, of. Yeah, I, I I wish. Well, we'll we'll talk about that uh, the game itself later um, because I'm I'm really curious to see how it goes. Um, I haven't played it that much. I think you can look on Steam. I've played about 20 minutes. Like I said, Drew hasn't played it at all. So this will be fun because I know for a fact that kids ate this up. So this is not something that we're just kind of, you know, supposing I've got nephews and nieces that I mean, when this game came out, they that's all they were playing or they were watching videos of other kids playing it and reacting to the jump scares. And I will make a solemn promise. This is this is all it's going to take, gang. I have never streamed anything on Twitch. We have a more nerd Twitch account. We have a Cosmic Crit Twitch account that that stuff gets streamed to every week. If I only get five and I'm talking one, two, three, four, five people email us at the more you nerd at gmail.com. That's the more you nerd at gmail.com. I will Twitch stream me playing this game this week, but it's going to take five people. All it's going to take is five people. I'm one not going to reach that at Freddy's. <laughs> I am not going to count anybody that tweets to us at the more you nerd. I'm not going to count anybody that that messages us at facebook.com slash the more you nerd. It's only going to be people that email us at the more you nerd at gmail.com. So with that said, my, this has been our count. episode about <laughs> about Goosebumps, the ghost next door. Of course, next week we're talking about Five Nights at Freddy's. Miles, let us end the show as we always do with a rousing nerd. Ouch. I was a nerd the whole time. <laughs>